Hei! I am here with you tonight, reporting from New York on the 9th day of February. It's the third day, Thursday, that's the fourth day, or fifth day, if you count Sunday. But it's going to be a good night tonight, as we're kicking off another Thursday night on Quite Frankly. This is the pre-show, so I hope you're all just relaxed and having a good time already. I hope that your day was fulfilling, and now we're going to be able to just uh, kick through a few things. i got some friends coming by tonight. Well, they're coming in from all over the country into one little, uh, one little green room we called Zoom. My buddies Matt, Ben, and Max will be on with us. You just got reacquainted with Max about a week or so ago. Max Ancaparato. Moonlit Matt, of course, everybody knows from the, the chat room for years, and he has some of his, his own very well-known, quite frankly, bumpers over here. And Ben, uh, Ben's been on the show before, too. But it's been a long time since you all seen him. And together, they are the three amigos. And they host a, a cozy little podcast called The Altar. The Altar Podcast. And it's just um, a, a mix of news and anarcho-capitalist philosophy and shitposting just memes and things like that so it's a it's it's a fun little thing to jump in on every once in a while especially when I get home and I get everything done early enough to actually catch it live because they start right after I um, after I end on Thursdays traditionally but I don't know how set that is rotating guests rotating hosts so that's what we're going to talk about. Oh, that's who we're going to speak with tonight. What we'll talk about is something different. I would love to have everybody uh, sit in with us on a little bit of a libertarian ANCAP roundtable where a couple different topics that I want to bring up and actually uh, pick apart through the lens of a stateless society, not a minarchist society as it, we would be living in in a truly, strictly constitutional sense, which, of course, the Constitution is just a... Uh, it's a relic in a museum right now, and that's that's all we know about it. Um, so I want to talk about things like prohibition and the drug war and what rolling those things back would 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 look like. How do you end all this stuff? And then and then how do you deal with all the effects that has um, that have most certainly been a result of all of those prohibitions and drug wars that have gone on for years and years and years like homelessness and mental health problems and I would love to talk about this so we'll throw it throw it into the center and we'll see what what we come up with and there's other there's other things random things I'll throw their way I want to hear I want to hear their um, I actually want to ask uh, I want to ask Max a little bit about this so, this solar flare I want to know if this is the big one that's going to come and put us out of our misery See what he says. He's a lot more hopeful than I am, so he'll probably say no. Everything's going to be okay. But they'll be on with me in a little bit. It's 6.52, no, 6.57 p.m. I'm sorry. The the disparity between my computer and my phone is now five minutes. You say, well, Frank, readjust it. Why? It's only going to drift apart again. Obviously, the length of a second is completely different in these both of these worlds, and I'm not, I'm not even going to, I can't stand it. So welcome to the show. I invite you all to 
Write in with Super Chats all throughout. We have, quite frankly, SuperChat.com set up. We have the Rumble Rants. We have the Gold Pills on Foxhole. And we also have our tips on Rockfin. And just to remind you, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button. And please encourage each other, ladies and gentlemen, to hit the like button so that we have, at all times, as close to even amount of viewers to likes. It takes nothing, and it works so much, especially on Rumble, it works. Everybody on Rumble... On Rumble, we actually have a chance to trend. That's how much more different and loose and, um, and uh, you know, fertile the grounds are over there at Rumble. Please hit that like button on Rumble, and we can actually get this show trending, which means we'll be introduced to people who never knew we existed. All right? So with that, let's jump into the grab bag. Tomorrow's going to be a great show, as you know going to be a lot of call-ins and it's going to be based based on a official thread that I put out there a show thread asking the question what is the most important lie you have ever had to tell in your life so we'll go through all the details on that tomorrow plenty to work on and I'm sure that is going to spur some great great phone calls naturally just streaming in from all over the place all right now into the grab bag for real we're going to start with the guardian first And this one is from, uh, it's about Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney is adding his voice to all of the, uh, I don't know, it's a a choir of, shall I say, woefully unintelligent people who are out there talking about Republicans. They're going to slide toward authoritarianism. You know why I laugh at that? Because they don't have the balls. They don't have the balls to slide toward authoritarianism, you possum-faced loser. I, I saw on Twitter today, it was trending, the hashtag was trending, Republicans hate Social Security. It's like, no, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. I told you, they're the first central planning party. They were the first of the two that are supposedly the big, you know, the big warring parties that are so different from each other and they're on complete polar opposites of the political sphere and all that shit. Republicans hate Social Security. I mean, what's not to hate about it? What's not to hate about it? It's bankrupt and it's a fucking scam. It has been since the beginning. So, um, so there's Mitt Romney. I don't know. The the fact that he still has a career tells you everything you need to know about the the nature of the the two-party state. And now here's from New York Post. Zelensky greeted with standing ovation and cheers at EU Parliament. Yes, yes, a whole bunch of suicidal assholes out there. Ukrainian President Zelensky was treated to a hero's welcome. (laughs) Hero's welcome when he appeared before the European Parliament to plead for his country's uh, accession to the European Union. Please. As the wartime leader entered the Parliament uh, Hall in Brussels in his trademark dark sweatshirt. I told you, trademark, this is a movie character that they have, that, that's it. Every G.I. Joe comes with their trademark look. Some of them are, some of them are scuba divers. The other, one, the other ones are wearing desert camouflage. Others are, are just dressed in face masks. You never actually see their face. You wonder if they're robotic or whatnot. He's got the green shirt. Like he's fresh off the battlefield at all times. It's just CIA branding. As the wartime leader 
When Zelensky later rose to speak following opening remarks by European Parliament President Roberta Metsola, he received a second standing ovation from the enthusiastic crowd. They're all nuts. They're all nuts and they're suicidal, like I said. Here's one from the uh, Washington Post. Headline, Ukraine's rocket campaign is reliant on U.S. precision targeting, officials say. Yeah, Ukraine's rocket stockpile is also reliant on U.S. precision. They're, they're Ukrainian in name only. That's the whole issue here. And every couple of months they need an entirely new army for some reason, though they keep winning. And Putin is getting sicker and more crazy, they say. So we'll see what the next couple of weeks are going to bring us because I am sure the fact that this special military operation by the Russians is now been dragged out to over a year is getting them pissed off. And I'm sure that a lot less a lot less patients are going to be employed soon and that's exactly what the psychopaths who have us by the throat have always wanted. Okay, so uh, now here's the big one that I want to bring up tonight. And then we will, maybe we'll, this will come up some of the time next week when I have Jim Lee on, when I settle on a night for him to come on, because Seymour Hirsch is at it again. And, and you know, we first covered Seymour Hirsch on this show during his revelations of what Seth Rich and the, um, the leaking at the DNC, not a hack, the leak at the DNC was all about. I didn't know that Seymour Hirsch has been in the game for so long and doing things of great significance to the point where he was the one that actually broke the story about Operation Popeye. And now we got this, which is a little bit more of a, duh, we know that, but um, you'll see. Nord Stream sabotage was CIA, U.S. Navy covert op, Seymour Hirsch bombshell prompts White House response. Famed journalist and Pulitzer Prize winner Seymour Hirsch, who for decades was a star reporter for the New York Times and New Yorker, on Wednesday published a new bombshell as his first Substack post, prompting a quick White House response. After conducting his own investigation into who sabotaged the Nord Stream pipelines via a series of underwater blasts on September 26, Hirsch has concluded the United States blew up the Russia to Germany natural gas pipeline as part of a covert operation under the guise of of the ball tops 22 NATO exercise. Hirsch relying on unnamed national security sources described months of discussions and back and forth involving the Biden White House, the CIA, the Pentagon. Uh, the report says planning was in the works all the way back to December 2021 with a special task force formed under the aegis of U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. Here's a quote. The Navy proposed using a newly commissioned submarine to assault the pipeline directly. The Air Force discussion discussed dropping bombs with delayed fuses that could be set off remotely. The CIA argued that whatever was done, it would have to be covert. Everyone involved understood the stakes. The report, entitled How America Took Out the Nord Stream Pipeline, reads... The Biden administration was doing everything possible to avoid leaks as the planning took place in late... 2021 and into the first months of 22 as a momentum gained to proceed with a covert sabotage attack over the next few weeks members of the cia's working group began to craft a plan for a covert operation that would use deep sea divers to trigger an explosion along the pipeline hirsch writes now i wonder inside of here there's any speculation as to why this was already being planned prior to the launch of the war 
launch of the war as we are covering it right now, where most simpletons in this country think it started last February, and it was simply a cause of big country wants to take little country for themselves. So maybe that that comes out in this, or maybe there's some other speculation that can be done. I don't know. Um, as momentum gained to proceed with the covert sabotage attack over the next few weeks, they did that. But here, uh, there was a significant pushback within the intelligence community. But any reservations were overcome in the lead-up and the aftermath of the Russian invasion of Ukraine in February 22. All right, so there you go. There's a little bit. All the reservations, they said, okay, fine, let's do it after February 22. I would like to know, what, what was it in particular about that, aside from the fact that they want to thwart any kind of Russian stability and growth and influence, economic stability and all that stuff. There's always that. They want to isolate and they want to cause pain for Russia. So maybe that is just enough on its own. But according to the investigative report, here's what it says. Throughout all of this scheming, the source says, some working guys in the CIA... And the State Department were saying, don't do this, it's stupid, and will be a political nightmare if it comes out. Nevertheless, early 2022, the CIA working group reported back to Sullivan's interagency group saying, we have a way to blow up the pipelines. What came next was stunning. On February 7th, less than three weeks before the seemingly inevitable Russian invasion of Ukraine, Biden met in his White House office with German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, who, after some wobbling, was now firmly on the American team. At the press briefing that followed, Biden defiantly said, if Russia invades, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We will bring an end to it. You remember that? I do remember that. We played it on this show. 20 days earlier, Undersecretary Newland had delivered essentially the same message at the State Department briefing with little press coverage. She said, I want to be very clear to you today. She said in response to a question, if Russia invades Ukraine one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. <laughs> My God. She's also Newland, the, uh, the, 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 the frumpy potato woman that went out there with Mar- Marco Rubio with that canned uh, exchange for everybody to see about the whole idea of Russian biological uh, you know, trying to take out biological labs and what we were doing in Ukraine with bio lab, uh, biological research and whether or not it was weaponized and this and that. And, and they had to just say to each other, Marco Rubio had to say something like, so uh, Miss Newland, um, you're saying that if this is, uh, if there is any kind of biological or nuclear um, uh, incident out there, it, it would only be the Russians. And she said, oh, oh yes, Senator, it's classic Russia. They're so stupid, but they know that they're speaking to a critical mass of stupid people. That's the only reason why this goes on. Biden, in February of last year, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We will bring an end to it. Here, listen. If Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine again, then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. What do, what, how will you how will you do that? Exactly, since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control. We will. Uh, I promise you we'll be able to do it. We'll blow it up. 
It's like he's like, no, I'm a, this is my this is my alien from Fire in the Sky poker face, Miss. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll be able to do it. How else? You're gonna blow it up. <laughs> you stupid fuck. They're all so fucking stupid. The hubris. And they hate us. That's why they don't care. That's why they don't care. The stretched... His stretched weird face. A stupid Halloween mask from Party City. Fucking crazy. Crazy what we live through. It really is. It's all insane. Um... Uh, let, let's go back to that. Where the hell is it? Uh, Norway played a significant logistics and intelligence role in assisting an elite U.S. Navy deep diving team of divers based out of Panama City to carry out the operation. Sometime in March, this is from the, the, the piece, sometime in March, a few members of the team flew to Norway to meet with the Norwegian Secret Service and Navy. One of the key questions was where exactly the Baltic Sea was the best place to plant the explosives. Nord Stream 1 and 2, uh, each with two sets of pipelines, were separated much of the way by little, uh, a little more than a mile as they made their run to the port of Griefswald in the far northeast of Germany. The Norwegian Navy, Navy was quick to find the right spot in the shallow waters of the Baltic Sea, a few miles off Denmark's Bornholm Island. We were talking about this stuff. For as great as Seymour uh, Hirsch's work has always been in the times that we have covered him, and now I, I know to go back and, 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 and thumb through some of his other stuff, but it's good to see all of these details popping up again because this is exactly what we were doing what we were piecing together and other great uh, open source investigative journalists out there from anonymous Twitter accounts were piecing out, piecing together for all of our consideration in early 2022. Of course, m many of those accounts were getting insta-banned and blocked on, on uh, and Twitter and, and YouTube and elsewhere and had to go to places like Telegram and Substack to be able to get any of this stuff out. But of course, to severely limited audiences, it's just great to see all this stuff come up again, especially with the Norwegians and and uh, Bornholm Island. We were doing all this. Hirsch's uh, sources underscore that the order came directly from President Biden's office. The C-4 attached to the pipelines would be triggered by a sonar buoy dropped by a plane on short notice, but the procedure involved the most advanced signal processing technology. Once in place, the delayed timing device attached to any of the four pipelines could be accidentally triggered by the complex mix of ocean background noises throughout the heavily trafficked Baltic Sea. From near and distant ships, underwater drilling, seismic events, waves, and even sea creatures, to avoid this, the sonar buoy, once in place, would emit a sequence of unique and low-frequency tonal sounds, much like those emitted by flute or piano. That would be recognized by the timing device, and after a preset, uh, after a preset hours of delay, the trigger for the explosives would be uh, would be flicked. On September 26, 2022. A Norwegian Navy P-8 surveillance plane made a seemingly routine flight and dropped a sonar buoy. The signal spread underwater, initially to Nord Stream 2 and then to 1, a few hours late. 
Uh, oh, a few hours later, uh, the high-powered C4 explosives were triggered, and three of the four pipelines were put out of commission. Within a few minutes, pools of methane gas had remained in the shuttered pipelines, could be seen spreading on the water surface, and the world learned that something irreversible had taken place. Around that, I, I, I believe that that's when we brought on Robert Phoenix for one of his first uh, episodes to talk about synchronicities at that time and what was going on. Given that it was Hirsch who broke the well-known story uh, as the My Lai Massacre in Abu Ghraib, scandal and has long been known for impeccable insider sources behind the new bombshell whodunit report mainstream media couldn't ignore it this time in the way msn ignored jeffrey Sachs and others well they they ignored his um they ignored his seth rich reporting but then again everybody was in on making sure that we all believed everybody was in on making sure that we all believed it was a russian hack that took everything out of the dnc after chapter one, we can have our differences because we're all, at least we're all playing on the same, the, the, the same field and, uh, and we're playing the same game. But everybody was in agreement, which was the wrong thing to be in. Michael Schellenberger, the mainstream media today is the main source of disinformation. Here you go, AP News. Russians push baseless theory blaming U.S. for burst pipe. That was back in September of 2022. We saw that. The allegations were quickly picked up by the Times, Reuters, and others, including Russian state media, prompting the White House to swiftly issue a rebuttal. Here's the rebuttal. The White House said on Wednesday that the blog post by U.S. investigative journalists alleging the U.S. was behind explosions of the Nord Stream pipelines is utterly false and completely fiction. Oh, well, I guess there you go. Nothing more to, nothing more to say after that. Oh, it, it, so um, it's just incredible because we know what's going on here. And, you know, we were called conspiracy theorists, called conspiracy theorists, which, as you know, is a way to demean somebody for thinking. That's what they do. They demean you for thinking. And uh, but I think that we should all really just start embracing it like everything else and reclaim the phrase, let it wash over you and be happy that they're calling you a critical thinker. Because yes, yes, the world is run by overlapping conspiracies. Some of them are not having anything to do with the other. Everybody has their own interests. Sometimes interests collide. There's little internal wars that we are collateral damage in. All this other stuff that happens. But yes, overlapping conspiracies. The world is run by powerful interests that roll these conspiracies out. And because they control most of the media, most of the platforms, including most of the platforms on on which independent journalists ply their trade, we are left with no other choice but to speculate for the most part. And often we have to speculate and theorize as to what is coming next and based on patterns that we have already recognized in the past with the news and in history, false flags and everything else like that. What pieces of whichever story we are, you know, what pieces we have in front of us at the time, which is like the pieces that we had for this Nord Stream thing back in September, we have to put all that together. We have to speculate based on the pieces we have and based on the patterns we've already recognized in the past. That's our responsibility, unfortunately. Actually, no, it's not unfortunate. It's a good thing. It's a good thing that we're learning that we can't rely on any major media conglomerate to give us the whole truth about anything. 
It's our responsibility to theorize about what the conspirators are doing now and where they're going next based on what they've already announced to be the end game. That's the other thing. They've told us the end game. We've got the fourth industrial revolution. We've got the great reset and we've got agenda 2030. It's all out there. Everything else are just the, it's just filler. No less important, no less important what's going on in between, but it's all working toward one end. So cheers to you, conspiracy theorists. We were right again. All right. Well, God bless Seymour Hirsch and I hope he's well. We will be right back. I'm going to set the table a little bit more before our friends show up. Don't go anywhere, my uh, my good lords and ladies. Getting started. This is Max Caparato at 12,060 feet. You can get as high as I am by watching the Quite Frankly podcast. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's rock! It's good to have you here. It's 7.20 on the right, the correct clock. And uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to the real show. The pre-show is over. Hopefully you're all in your your seats. That you're comfortable and ready, ready to go. I would like to invite you once again. I'd like to invite you once again to give this episode a thumbs up, to share it far and wide. I have put all the live links across all the, quite frankly, socials. And, uh, and you know, you know what another thing that I would love to do, aside from just being able to say we technically hit 100,000 subscribers on YouTube, though I think we should be past a million, um, I really do believe that I... I, I want to wiggle my way into the top 200 podcasts on on iTunes. Now, I put myself into the society and culture category. Maybe I should switch that to, like, entertainment or something. But I feel like we're, we talk a lot more about society and culture and and whatever. It is entertainment. I just I moved myself out of news and politics a long time ago just because I didn't... I know we do a lot of news and politics, too, but it's... Ugh, I don't want to be there. So, just remember... I always say that you should, if you like a show on on a YouTube or on a Rumble or on anywhere, you should always have a subscription to their podcast edition 
so that wherever you go, you can download it easy. You can catch up whenever you're in, you know, cr- crummy uh, areas, and and you don't have to be totally out of the loop. I think podcasting is is a great way of on-demand services for keeping up with people and supporting them in, on other platforms when you're in a pinch. Some of you just love the podcast form, and I love that too because it's most closely associated with radio, even though it's not live. I um. But I would love to encourage you guys and gals to go either on wherever you go. Make sure that you give us a rating and a good, a nice, um, you know, f- some stars, five stars, and and a. Oh, you be honest. If you don't think I'm worth five stars, and whatever, I mean, you don't have to be that way. But you can give me five stars, and then uh, a review, especially on iTunes. I would love to climb the charts and just. Break pa- you know where I'm charting? I signed up for Chartable.com, and I'm charting in Malawi and some other weird, like well, it's not like it's it's weird. It's just an odd place for me to be in the top 100. It's probably because there's only three people there and they listen to one episode once. Um, but I'm in. Hold on, maybe I can find it. Chartable. Am I in here? Where's my dash dashboard? Hopefully they can tell me. Am I connected here? I don't think I am. I get the emails. Oh, wait. Is this for quite frankly? All right. Let's see. Charts at a glance. Uh, I am a 186 in society and culture in Romania. So I'm in the top 100 there. I am down to number 200 in society and culture, down 17 points, 17 places. So I'm right at the cusp of being eliminated from the top 200 in Armenia. (laughs) Uh, In Angola, I'm number 247. Thank you, Angola. Thanks, everybody. You know what's not in here? The United States. Oh, man. Well, I guess we just have to try harder. I guess we got to... Our, our 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 biggest days are ahead of us, though, ladies and gentlemen. They're all ahead of us. That's what I'm just going to keep telling myself. All right, real quick, I want to just put this on the record. The Project Veritas coup, or a mutiny, or something that's going on, this is a thread from around midday today, or actually, no, 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 late last night, and I don't think too much has changed, but this is what I had seen. This is from Old Rose Swig on Twitter. A whistleblower has contacted this guy about the news that James O'Keefe was put on leave and stripped of all authority at Project Veritas. This is very difficult for me to publish. Uh, But what is happening to James O'Keefe is unconscionable, and the attempted hostile takeover of Project Veritas needs to be stood against by its supporters. It will not stand. James is the big victim of poor corporate structure, as Project Veritas is two separate organizations, a 501c3, which has had very few board members, and the majority of the money in the 501c4, which had significantly more board members but less money. According to my source, this situation has allowed two alleged ringleaders of this attempt to push James out to have significant sway over the others despite their reasons to be essentially meritless. Board members and C-suite officers involved in this, according to my source, are as follows. Board members Matt Termand, who is a ringleader, John Garvey, George Skakel, Joseph Barton, Steve Alembic. 
CFO Tom O'Hara and COO Barry Hinckley. Ringleader's pronouns in bio. Oh, he's got pronouns. Oh, man, how the, how'd this happen? How do you allow Project Veritas to have a COO with pronouns in their bio? I mean, this is what I'm talking about. Obviously, there's moles everywhere. My initial feeling is that there's moles everywhere, and they want to flatten all the tires on Project Veritas as they can as we enter into 2024, which is going to be another knife fight. Another knife fight. Because Project uh, James O'Keefe is a big supporter of Donald Trump, and there's there's definitely that going on there, and this is just it just seems like a neutralizing move again, but um, obviously this these are people who don't care about, I should say, and obviously these are people who don't care about the future of Project Veritas. They're just running an operation and doing what they have to do, what they believe they have to do at a very strategic time in the political cal- calendar. It's just my hunch, because without James O'Keefe, there is no Project Veritas. I think anybody reading this would say, well, why would you do that? You're essentially telling the only reason why people are signing in to see more updates, because we have over the years become a lot more and more trusting of James O'Keefe's work, his focus, his mission. So to excise him would be to just really bring the car, the entire car to the junkyard. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a tire flattening, but who knows where this all goes. The source says the board has held a six-and-a-half-hour struggle session with James where they subjected him to constant derision and insults at the insistence of Termond, O'Hara, and Hinckley. Another quote. Uh, about 10 employees aired their grievances about James, which essentially boiled down to him being a tough boss to work for. At the end of his uh, this six-hour struggle session, Termond and... Fellow board member John Garvey put him on leave and stripped him of all authority. It was literally a Stalinesque kangaroo court trial. These, this, this is all the, what the source of this guy Squig came in with. The thing is so, mer- is so very profound to me that uh, no one seems to grasp it. John Garvey and the rest of the board did nothing to stop it. Matt Timund, Termond, had it all scripted, all six fucking hours. And this comes in the immediate aftermath of Project Veritas's greatest moment ever, exposing corrupt Pfizer, corruption at Pfizer, which my source thought was extremely suspicious timing. You boot the founder out right after your biggest win of all time. Yeah. It's all, it's all crazy. The, the timing of that, the fact that we are inching closer and closer to the, the heat of primary season, a lot more people are going to be announcing one way or another. We're going to see what 2024 is all about. So, yeah, we're going to keep an eye on this one. I just wanted to say it. They put him in the boo box. I don't know. I don't know. We knew that this 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 uh, week was going to be, this year was going to be wild. We knew it. We knew it. All right, it's 729. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring on some buddies of mine, and we're going to have a little bit of talk about this and that, the world at large, and... And uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to bring him in. Let's see. Let me, oh, here, uh, admit all. I don't know there's an admit all. Uh, an admit all button. All right. One by one, they file in. 
and they're taking their seats. They all look glorious, of course. Let's all. Oh, the first one I see is Max. What's, what's going on, Max? Hey, how's it going? How you doing? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Well, I'm doing all right. Everybody's uh, everybody's a little more familiar with you because you were on just recently. So let me just go. But let me go. Uh, uh, Matt, are you there? Where's he? I believe he is tending to his children. Oh, there's Ben. Now, Ben, here's Bass Heisenberg, everybody, who is the only one of these three who has actually been in the studio for a show before. I hope you're well, Ben. I am well. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. It's great to have you on. And, uh, Max, it's it's uh, equally uh, awesome to see you. You have been our oldest and most reliable science guest, astronomer, Earth Science galore, Max and Caparato. So it's great to have you both here. I'm sure Matt will pop in on us. Here, uh, I, I got to get something for uh, uh, Nikki going here. Give me a sec. Okay. Oh. Oh, oh he, I know what he's going to do. I know uh, you. I know exactly what he's going to do. He's going to go get Balthazar. Maybe. There, Aha. Uh, There's the baby. You got to say something, Max. It, the, it's the cat. Oh, there you go. Here's Balthazar. He's he's made his appearance. He's still here with us Aww. after all these years. How old is he? This cat is almost 20 years old. My gosh. Aww. Man. Yeah, I think so. I, I adopted him. He was already a senior cat, basically. So. Well, he was, he, Balthazar was making appearances back in 2000. 13 14 on this show and uh it's it's nuts how long it goes by and you know that's the other thing we three we three are we're all uh we all met through tumblr of all places and there's a pretty mm-hmm. uh, for for the 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 the, uh, the whatchamacallit the uh reputation it has and it deserves its reputation there is still some really fun times to be had on that uh, on, on that uh, what we call that platform. But let's get into some things, shall we? Here we go. First one up. First one up. I I, I had a little something here, uh, Ben and Max. I uh, well, actually, you know what? Before we go into anything else, tell everybody a little bit about the Alter Podcast. What you do on Thursday nights, and maybe that'll give us a little bit more time to have uh, Matt get in here. So um. <clears throat> We're kind of a podcast about nothing. Like, like we say we're about we talk about politics. We say we talk about contemporary events. For the most part, we just get in there and whatever we talk about is what we talk about. We try to keep it structured, but it rarely happens. Well, I've got a lot of great tidbits out of you guys on on a on a philosophical end on on current events, and then of course, as you as you are very proud of, it's memes and shit posting all the time. Which you know of something, course. it's not all. It's not a, that is more culturally significant than than people realize, and they need to start realizing that more and more. The memes are the hieroglyphics of our time, and they and they they may survive us yet. Well, here's Certainly there's some part, uh, or there's some meme that we've participated in or some phrase we've said that we originated just like Shakespeare and will live on at, for, for all eternity in the English language lexicon or, or future, um, you know, funny moments that people can enjoy. Yeah, the meme is that. That's it. So here's what I wanted to bring up, um, and I think that it's good that Ben is at least here for the opening because I want to go into a a, uh, a story that me and Max were talking about uh, about a week or so ago. It's on a show about a week ago, and we were talking, Ben, about over here in 
our home state. I know you're in Utah now, but you are a New Yorker. Um, New York was considering, or at least still is for a time, a 95% cigar tax. And uh, which is puzzling because it's it's not an outright prohibition, but it would have the same kind of effect in creating a black market for cheap, high quality, you know, cigars. So Ben, to you first, because Max and I have already spoken about this. As as a former New Yorker, wh- why do you think they're considering doing this to us? Is it purely about murdering people's simple joys in life, or is it something more? I think that the cigar is a representation of phallic dominance that <laughs> frightens the current New York administration. Outside of that, though, yes, any last simple joy they can tax and take away from you as much as possible, they're going to do that because New York is the first economy powered on misery. It's true, though. I mean, it's not the only – maybe the first. It's not the only one at this point. There's a couple other really, really uh, incredible states that are just – I don't know how anybody uh, – stays there but then again here i am uh anchored but i um i think that there's so much more there is so much more to that phallic dominance that you think um and it it really is because we have been taken over by this uh this this bent over the bed mentality in uh, in in New York, number one, and number two, the guy who was re- who was talking to C- Tucker Carlson about this a couple of weeks ago, even said he just the, all he said is they they want to come in on anything that is social, that is longstanding, that is that is inherently masculine. He then pulled out a nice slab of red meat and said they're coming for this next, and uh, I I think that you're right on the money. It's it it really is as easy as that. What's going on, fellas? Hey, what's Gary? going on? There's Matt. Hey Matt, what do you think about a a ninety five percent cigar tax? Is it uh, is it an outright pro? It's it is it prohibition or is it about curbing um, innate masculinity? It's about that the the government knows that people will still buy cigars and they want a piece of the action. That's it. But why ninety five percent? Well, they pro- they probably ran some numbers and figured that they they would pay it. I'm glad you bring it up in that way because here's another one that I want to give you guys. This is just these are just warm ups, uh, warm up things here. Here we go. Uh, this is from the UK. It's from January 27th. Here's the headline: Sugar tax, quote, may have prevented fifth, uh, five. Oh no, I'm sorry, five thousand. The sugar tax may have prevented five thousand cases of obesity in young girls flags new research now um i'm gonna let you guys have at it uh but i i'll just say i don't think these these uh these these people understand how girls work if you think that attacks any kind of attacks is going to keep them away from chocolate uh this is this is just something that i i don't understand you think that this tax could have helped five thousand people not eat in their way to diabetes I mean, technically, a tax can, like, prevent you from eating entirely, so that would be an excellent way to not gain weight or not get diabetes or not become obese. That's another New York thing that happened. That was a sugar. How, how many uh, did they did they control for how many of the girls had been um, transitioned or not? You know, if they had higher levels of trans- mm-hmm. trans- testosterone naturally, you know, maybe they're not as susceptible to obesity. I don't know. I don't know, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I'm actually, um, I'm flabbergasted. That I mean, it's up for their kindergarten 
teacher to uh, to decide, right? So it's, mm. I think that it's it's a great victory for science that the the UK even published this and used the word girls, and not something a little bit more sensitive. But yes, these this is what I'm talking about, and what Max had been on with us uh, last last week about uh, my 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 friends, and what I want to speak with you guys about and have you talk because you you come from a strictly anarcho-capitalist standpoint um when it comes to prohibition and when it comes to the creation of black markets and cartels and drug wars we know that these are the um the results of these kinds of actions but my question to you guys is how would we end a drug war how would the end of a drug war look like from a uh from a non-state intervention perspective because I, I most people would love to see the, the violence at the border the 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 cartels being defanged and then from there rolling back all the human tolls from what proliferation of such horrible drugs have caused over the last few generations um i don't care who of you among wants to start and uh i'll just sit back and listen well uh you gotta appreciate in the modern um regulatory infrastructure that we have a cartel of legal drugs and legal drug providers whether that be Pfizer or Moderna or you know J&J and and all that stuff so um, you're not going to see a smooth transition to Johnson and Johnson provided marijuana or or cocaine um, until they decide that they can get their part of the cut in our current structure. Um, that said, in, in, in places like Colorado, and I don't, I, I understand New York City has, doesn't have any legal dispensaries right now, but um, in Colorado, we've had uh, legal marijuana since 2013, and uh, people just grow it and they cure it, and there's, there's a regulatory apparatus. It was meant to be no stricter than alcohol is regulated under the state so um you would see a business open up and that business would have um you know a door and you walk in and they check your id uh to see that you're an adult and not selling to children and there's a label that's been tested for potency and it's pure and uh that that is what a legal drug market looks like um, and surprisingly, um, you know, sure, there's still people that go in and will straw purchase uh, marijuana for minors occasionally and stuff like that. Um, but uh, was there really any prevention of minors getting marijuana in the first place? If anything, now they're actually getting marijuana. They're not getting, you know, laced, whatever, you know, flour, oregano. You know, mm. we, we want kids not to just get oregano you know it's rich white kids they deserve the same marijuana as other kids they deserve the sticky stuff matt what about you because you over the years you've called in and talked about uh drug decriminalization uh i think uh, more so about that than anything else so i've talked about a lot of stuff because basically like so from i'm wearing my liberty or death shirt hey i got that one i got that i know i don't know if i bought mine first or not i'm gonna say i did just because but um well, the whole, the whole drug thing is, like, if we're going from, like, a free, like, a liberty aspect, do you have the right to engage with another ad- adult to buy, to exchange money for serv- for goods to get drugs? Like, if you're putting it in your body, like, you could buy whatever you want, put it in your body, whatever it is, heroin, meth, whatever. 
right? Right. And I'm going I'm going extreme like anarchist right now about it. But you don't have to agree with it. But there's a thing, like, do you own yourself? And if you if you believe that that's true liberty, you own yourself, you do whatever you want with your body, then drugs should be completely decriminalized. Now there people will probably be arguing somewhere in the chat or something about like, what about the dudes that steal their TV? I'm like, that's a separate problem. That's a, that's a, like an adjacent problem. Maybe but if if the drugs are legal, then they have more of a recourse for treatment, right? Like I think Portugal, um, I think it was Portugal that decriminalized their drugs because they had a huge fucking problem. And it actually like improved the quality of life because people actually were going out and getting treatment because it wasn't illegal anymore, for example. So I'm just saying that I'm hearing my kids crying and stuff. I'm like, oh, I'll leave, get, guys, figure it out. No, 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 no. I, I think <laughs> I mean, how, how many days fresh is your your newborn? She your, is going to be daughter. a month tomorrow. Yeah, that's the other okay. thing. Yeah, that's what I thought, man. You, you, were, you weren't here for yeah, the opening, but I, I was going to congratulate you again because it feels like every time we text Matt, which is often, you and your wife are expecting another child. So I, I just yeah. wanted to congratulate you in case I had somehow missed a birth since then. Yeah, he's, no, he's he the opposite three. of Alec Baldwin. Okay, doesn't shoot any blanks. Wait, <laughs> oh no, he's he is an Alec Baldwin. He thinks he, he never shoots a blank. <laughs> never shoots a blank. Uh, yeah. Okay, so so Ben, what about you? Jump in on this one because I I want to talk about severity, you know, uh, of the chemical compounds themselves, and I want I want to break this down a little bit more because um it, it's there's a lot of nuance there, and then it gets into decency, it gets into decency. What, where where do decency what like is there decency laws? What oh, do you think? Real quick, someone yeah. in the chat, uh, General Zero, he's like, you're talking about going extreme anarchist with it. Well, then why are you talking about rules in the same sentence as extreme anarchist? Well, anarchist means no rulers. It doesn't mean no rules. So get that out there for and, everybody, everybody and, in the chat. And the rules you're talking about is non-aggression's well, principle, or what so else? The the so life in Encapistan, playing off the title here. Uh, is basically the free market for everything, right? So everyone talks about a free market, but if you think that there should be, like, a centralized government should regulate, like, drugs, for example, right? You're not for a free market. You you want, like, some big guy to come in, the mafia or whatever, to come in and regulate this stuff. So in a the hypothetical, not utopia, whatever, just how I imagine it in my head, a free market society is that the laws would be taken care of by like overlapping like insurance agencies right or smaller governments that can't you know whatever like basically you're just dealing with companies that like can sell you insurance like we offer to protect you or whatever you don't have to pay for them type shit. i'm just giving like the quick mm -hmm. quick spiel on it so you can have overlapping governments insurance agencies whatever you want to call it rights enforcement agencies overlapping in like one area for example like right here like how with the car insurance i can get geico all state oh it's the whatever fucking like 15 other ones if well, i wanted to. okay so the, the, I, let's say i'm going to take that and i'm going to throw it over to ben now okay ben what he just said what matt what matt had just said you have private security firms you have all these different types of uh companies that pop up to to represent people's interests where we see a little bit more of formulated local state governments and regional governments that i don't even want to talk about the fed because i, I forget about them for now where does where does the power for arbitration 
come from? Where does the, the, the authority for one court or a court to be able to, um, to make a decision on what is, what, is, you know, what is going to be the thing? Because whose claim for authority would be more uh, legitimate than the others? So I one of my favorite kind of examples of this is if you think of it more of something along the lines of a subscription service where you are paying to basically get into this system that involves an arbitration method by private courts, you are kind of also agreeing to abide by the outcomes of, excuse me, the outcomes of that. Okay. So no, you don't have to abide by the authority of the court. You can cancel your subscription to the court. You can cancel your subscription to the, I don't know, let's call it the neighborhood trust or the neighborhood commonwealth that you pay into in order to live in Encapistan or you're part of Encapistan. You don't have to abide by any of the authority, but the local businesses may go, okay, well, we don't have to do business with you. Um, other, like if you're, if you have kids in Encapistan and they're hanging out with other families, other families go, well, since you're not abiding by the arbitration system, I don't know if I can really trust you to uphold the NAP or the things like that. So your kids can't play with my kids, stuff like that. Like I you mean, have, imagine, imagine trying to get your baby delivered without having, um, an arbitration clause about stuff in, in Encapistan, right? Like we would you even be able to afford it? Like, you know, cause you'd have to pay everything up front for liabilities and everything like that, uh, to, to arbit it'd be insane hmm. as far as price goes to not participate in the system. Gotcha. Is what I'm getting at. Continue, continue, Ben, if you have anything else, please. No, that's basically it. It's, it's a situation where like, you don't have to, like people think of the idea of a private court and it's just like, okay, you know, it's like getting a parking ticket at the mall. Just don't pay it. Like nobody gives a shit. And they're like, that is true. However, if you like to frequent the mall and you go to the mall and because you didn't pay the parking ticket, they decide you can't park there and they tow your car. It's like, it's shitty, but they can do that because they own the property. And if you don't want to abide by the rules, which again, you're not going to jail. There's ideally not a security guard that's going to come shoot you in the face. I mean, that, that could happen, especially if a security guard happens to be an ex cop, but ideally the, the idea is that if you're going to abide by this system, you have the ability to punch out. And then also whoever is providing the service, let's say the parking in that instance or the court arbitration, at the end of the day, unless you are doing something to make them get violent, there is no sense in enforcing anything with violence or basically forcing you to do it because it's just not, yeah. The I, other thing to realize is this is happening every day all the time. Like you and I might have Verizon or T-Mobile. We have separate cell phone providers, but I can make a call just like that and get onto your cell phone network and make a call to you, mm -hmm. no problem, or internet mm -hmm. providers or anything like that. Um, they don't have to all be one monopoly. You can change your subscription. Uh, you can think of better service. They all have connection to each other. Um, and, and there's some lawyer somewhere that like, oh, if, if for some reason something's not working right or you abuse the system uh, then and, and not abide by their terms of service, they can remove you and everything like that. Uh, we, we generally don't click, you know, th these are so trivial of things uh like the uh, our cell phone providers or our, our internet service providers and stuff like that um that that we don't think about it 
Um, but yet again, it is a completely private arbitration system that you're going through every time you click on the agree to terms of service. Yeah, it's just, obviously it's just so foreign to think about because of where we are and what we're what we're born into. And I, and I like asking about this stuff. So I, now I want to bring this back down to drugs again. Um, it goes beyond. I mean, when you think about the, the way that we have enforced prohibition in in the past, I mean, there the feds were poisoning alcohol during prohibition i mean americans died because the feds poisoned them to be able to prevent them from going out and having a drink um uh, our our current stillborn president right now championed crack cocaine laws that locked up millions of people so we you mean the sixth iteration of joe biden yeah no sixth clone i know i'm telling you (laughs) there's something it's it's like a, a weird strange rubber mask that has been stretched over some physical structure that seems human so we know the cause uh the situations the the, what causes situations like that we've been in with drug wars and everything else right now but when you say when you say we use uh marijuana for example that's an easy one because you grow it in your backyard and uh, nobody's ever been killed by it unless you just got so stoned that you fell asleep at the wheel and you drove off of a, a, a bridge or something. But um, I, I want to ask about something a little bit more serious. I think about the the whole idea of a guy who puts together a, a, a really strong batch of, of heroin. He kills three people in town. Now, the free market, if we're talking about free market economics across the board, you say, well, you put out a really bad service or product and uh, you only have one reputation and nobody's going to be buying from you anymore. But what about this comes down to this whole idea of I would never, I would never stand by anybody that wants to ruin a person's life legally for the crime, supposed crime of being a slave to addiction. Now, if when somebody is is high on methamphetamine, they're going out and stealing cars and burning down structures and and, and they're 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 you're becoming violent under the influence, then we're talking about a whole other set of things there. So I, I would never come down on a person for for being addicted to a substance because Lord knows there's so many ways that that could happen. But what about the person who is out there and uh, is is really is really proliferate creating and proliferating distributing some really nasty chemical compounds that are that are hurting people and are because uh, I, I believe that the addictions that are caused in the lives that are taken um, that's there's something to be said about that is of, of, of that has to step in something has to be done no well, here's, for, first of all the number one proliferator of poison and um, overdoses and everything like that are the government regulated uh, corporations and also the government itself during its prohibition attempts uh so if you look by raw number of deaths and everything like that that's what's doing it um so the the regulatory system that uh gives free license to get people addicted to prescription opioids and then they're hunting on the black market later for unknown potency uh fentanyl laced you know opioids you know that is a hundred percent on the government right now. Like, think about we could we could turn this into the roads, right? Like every traffic death on a government-run, government-regulated road is a result of the state's regulation on it and how they treat drivers and how they treat the licensing structure in each individual state and everything like that. Um, so, you know, just want to 
put that on uh, on on the state. We we need to flip the shoe occasionally and say, you know, yes, there, you're saying that this is a disaster, but um, it it is a disaster that's occurring under the current system, and and we, um, you know, this is personal to my family. I I had a cousin die of overdose uh, on on opioids and stuff like that, and it's just like. Yeah, if we had a, some way to give them a known potent thing, they're not trying to kill themselves all the time. I mean, maybe slowly, but uh, at the end of the day, if you can keep them alive and get them treatment and get them back into a family structure instead of the criminal justice system, that's that's all the difference in the world. And 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 what about the manufacturers though? What what about somebody who is his? Uh, you know, I'm talking about Breaking Bad, meth, heroin, fentanyl. I'm a, I'm 100% like I said a, against anyone having their lives ruined by the, the state for merely being addicted but um is there just and I, and I and it's well, a great I mean, point it's a great point about the manufacturers farmers. make guns manufacturers make alcohol manufacturers make bleach you can inject yourself with bleach and kill yourself just the same mm. so again you know. I guess it comes down to responsibility huh it also comes down to it's kind of cold to say but there is like a simple profit motive there in that if you intentionally produce poisonous substances that like you know kill your clients you don't have any more clients so again like i i am kind of on the same foot here because i used to be a 911 dispatcher for about three years so i unfortunately i deal firsthand with a lot of people who are dealing with addiction issues like you know like people are just high looking for a place to go you're having like people call up because they found somebody who overdosed whatever the hell it is, like, I've seen a lot of, like, the shitty side of that, so I can understand how people's reaction, especially in the manufacturers, is, you know, like, deal with them, like, either regulate them or go out and do something to them, and it's like, if somebody is intentionally making something poisonous and going out and harming people, like, that is an NAP violation by itself that already calls for a, a response of some sort, but there's there there unfortunately there has to be some sort of like determination of like okay is this person intentionally putting out something with the intention to kill people or is it per a person putting out something that has an inherent risk like alcohol like fast food something like that and if somebody is consuming that knowing the risk and they just simply consume too much of it that's shitty and that's sad and you would think there's something that should be should have been there to prevent that from happening but like ultimately it comes down to personal responsibility like the one of the, one of the core tenets of anarchism in general is that being responsible for your own decisions means being responsible for your own decisions like there's not necessarily going to be some helpful like public entity there to remind you about the depth of the water you're wading into like you need to know and if you bite off more than you can chew, it's not anyone else's job necessarily to come save you. It would be nice. And again, like you can pay for a subscription service to somebody who comes and smacks a drink out of your hand or smacks the needle away from you if you want to get that like pedantic about it. But like basically what I mean is like ultimately we also have to take into account that like these people are making a decision. And we may not agree with it, but it, it's the same thing as like, let's say personally somebody doesn't drink, they're making the decision to not consume alcohol versus somebody who does. 
that's a little bit of a tangent at the end there, but base it's it's a personal responsibility thing. Well, you you have to imagine how much potential each human has uh, for productiveness and everything like that. That you know, it, if you even if your parents signed you up for for some you know protections or subscription or anything like that, they know that you're a future valid customer. And if you are so addicted that you're committing violent crimes or property crimes or you're getting into serious debt that you're financing your addiction um let's say there's no legal consequences but you're you're getting into serious debts um you are going to have your future uh you know labor levied against you and and somebody's gonna come in and say hey like we know that you're worth this because uh you know Imagine how strong of an advocate you're going to have at that point where it's going to be like, we need to get you in a halfway house so that we know that you can be productive in the future. You, you can be a good customer, basically, um, and a good part of society and, and, and increase the wealth. Whereas right now, the incentive is we need you in jail because you're slave labor for a prison industrial complex and, and a corporate state, uh, you know, wedding uh, structure. Mm. I'm trying to find the word for it the prison industrial complex yeah i uh, uh matt you have anything you want to throw in on that before i move on to something else i can't i got the baby i'm just oh. listening at this point oh okay everything seemed pretty good no what's going on baby look at that that's a that's a that's a one month old cats, baby we got babies it's so yeah, wholesome yeah, cats well, and i mean basically i don't like because i try to listen to most of it because i had to like hop out and get a baby because my wife needed help but basically, the drug thing is right now. There's no legal recourse for if you like if you get heroin, bad heroin, right? But under if you legalize it, there could be recourse. Like in the current our current system, if you legalize it, there could be some recourse. But there's still be a black market, just like there is for weed right now. Uh, but like in Ankapistan, there's like the implied contract that you're buying these products with the anticipation is going to get you high and not kill but, you. But if, if there's if there's legal recourse, wouldn't that be suggesting that there would then be a separate entity that is set up that sets standards for good heroin? Yeah, it could be contract well, recourse. Um, you, you could sue them for bad heroin and, and assuming that they're suppliers and, and they have infrastructure. Oh, that was the other roads thing I wanted to bring and, up. And and they they use all sorts of different um, other entities that uh, are part of this uh, system. There there would be arbitration that would limit their access to different parts of the infrastructure, and they would cease to operate basically on on a click of a dime based on that arbitration. Okay, so 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 here here's what I'm what I'm thinking. You better mute that kid. Okay. <laughs> uh, so here's the thing. So what, what we're getting around to now, I th- I guess, is the crux of everything else that we talk about, uh, even in the the the, the state that we're in, uh, you know, mired hopelessly inside of right now, is that we've got a big a big problem with culture, and we've got a big problem with having people tethered to some sort of a. Uh, a morality or a a belief system in 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 what we are responsible for as human beings to ourselves to our families our our communities and because uh, so I, I wanted to ask you about the libertarian and cap approach to a homelessness too but uh, I, I'm starting to see uh, America of yore this was the domain homelessness was like the the, the domain of the churches and the, and the local charities. And I, I guess there's always going to be people who refuse it, 
for one reason or another that help, but but you see what's happening in places like Philadelphia and New York and California. It's epidemic what's going on with, with people, and, and, and you cannot divorce that from the drug war because between mental illness, um, uh, the, the drug use themselves, how those are intermarried with each other, uh, now we're talking generational uh, generational abuses where so many of these um, these people are coming out of the wound with their with their their brains already fried because of what their parents were doing on the streets it's um I, I, I mean the homelessness is nuts so I guess one question I would want to ask is like if think of a place like New York City for example or California or just any place that has like a high population of homeless people New York City and California are actually better examples of this. How much money do you think those states spend and how many regulations are in place to attempt to prevent the issue of homelessness? To attempt to housing pre- pro- to like prevent housing it? programs everything. You can think of that like the amount of money New York spends on helping homeless people stay employed, find jobs, do all of this. And ultimately, you have a rampant issue of people who in a lot of cases, are kind of abusing the system. So this is an entirely other philosophical argument about homeless people, and I really don't want to go too far into this because this could be its own episode. Being but, homeless is an NAP violation, so there's <laughs> exactly. no homeless people in Ancapistan. Exactly, yes. Wow. You are physically removed, so to speak. I mean, can I, can I say yeah, the, no, the go ahead. solution I on, on, on homelessness? Okay, it'll, it'll be illegal to die, or I shouldn't say this, uh, or I shouldn't say illegal. Um, trespassing uh, is possible on a sidewalk, on a gutter, on a street, if it's privately owned, right? So it will be no longer possible to die in a gutter because you will have been evicted prior to that. Where are you? T- <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the eviction because I'm sure that there's a lot of people who live in in or around areas like San Francisco or Skid Row in Los Angeles area where you are stepping over. You're not not, not only stepping over needles and shit, but people themselves, and and many of them when they are not zonked out, they are they're 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 violent. Um, they're up in your face. Um, this is all over the place. The violence among the homeless population, how they brutalize each other, is prolific at this point, too. So um, I'm sure that there's plenty of people who live in areas that are, are, are really badly affected by this kind of stuff that would love to see there be some sort of an, an eviction, love to see police forces that they, that they actually fund with, with, uh, with their income um, to be doing something to keep the streets clean and safe. But where do you evict them to if they don't want to go to the shelters and do you just take them to the city limits and drop them off on the other side of a, a bridge? Well, what? As, as far as, as uh, uh, ANCAP society goes, then um, the, the farthest you can evict them to is your property line or a easement of another property line that you've agreed to prior to. So... Yeah, that's they just so, they would get evicted all the way out until somebody's not there to pick them up and not keep evicting them, hmm. unless they agree to some sort of other uh, program. You know, like you know, oh, you're not a paying customer. Uh, well, are you looking for a job? We got company housing or whatever, something like that. We're gonna. Oh man. Uh, it, it, it's, okay, go ahead. Please go. Keep going if you have more. 
Oh, no, because right, like, well, the baby was crying. The oh. fake baby. The AI baby the chat was like, that baby was glitching out. I don't think it was real. <laughs> it, it wasn't. wasn't. <laughs> and the baby was fake. I'm actually single. I'm homeless. Obviously, look at the beard. I have the glasses to make myself look smart. I think someone made that comment earlier. I'm just like, I stole these from a rich person. I'm in a shack. That's why I have the, the green screen up. And I use AI for baby baby noises. But no, what I want to talk about with somebody understand is basically like Ancapistan is just like, so, so we, we all agree like limited government, right? Yeah. Like most of your chat, like limited governments where it's at constitution, bring it back down to the fundamentals. And that's a good idea. It was like, how do you keep it there? Anarchy is anarcho-capitalism, I need to say. Because when I say anarchy, people are like, oh, like ANCOMs? Like those anti-fascist fucking losers out on the street getting getting fucking shot by Kyle Rittenhouse? No, I'm not, I don't associate with those people. I don't associate with commies because I love property. Um, okay. I was moving, like, Speaking of Kyle Rittenhouse, I got, I got the Rittenhouse special going on tonight. Nice. Good for oh, you. Good for you. Oh. So it's an AI, anarcho-capitalism. It's a, that, that's an AI, an AI rifle. That was an AI rifle. Capitalism is just a little bit, a little bit more. Just like it's like, why would you need a limited government? Because if limited government is preferable, no government should be ideal, right? Because the government shouldn't be in a lot of shit it is today, obviously. But right now we have, we have like the state that prosecutes you and stuff. But like, you could also go to civil court. So it's like we have polycentric law right now. Hmm. So you could just extend that to answer questions for anarcho-capitalism, for example. Like, he's like, you know, O.J. Simpson, he was found not guilty of murdering uh, What's-Her-Face. I don't remember, it's been so long ago. I think I was like 10 when that happened. Well, but, part uh, of the reason for that, though, is also because you can't murder property. <laughs> you can't. You can't, you can't but you know what, hold on. Uh, this, this, this brings up a great point, though. Um, when you, when you, most of us, well, all of us growing up, if you think about the, the Constitution, and I always say, hey, uh, um, the reason why I still play the voting game and I still talk politics and we talk about the Constitution and, and at least uh, shoring up our history, where we came from, what the original intent was, and of course, to lament over where we are right now. It's always about, well, if we're crashing into the sea, I'd like to at least try to find a way to create a little bit of wind resistance, some drag on the way down so we don't hit quite as hard. But um, ultimately, ultimately, if we were able to actually move the needle and create momentum from our society right now toward the right, toward the Constitution, that you would hope that you would be able to, as we're conceptualizing and, re and, and and going through this liberty renaissance, we can then walk through the Constitution towards something even less than that and toward what you guys are talking about. What you're talking about right now is so foreign because even people who see themselves as a conservative Republican don't know how leftist they are. Um, it, it's, it's, it's very, very foreign, and that's why I, I try to have these conversations piecemeal. But... Um, you know, if you think about the, the Constitution in itself, where you have a limited, very limited federal government, and then it's really up to the states and their respective counties and, and all that to, to create this Russian doll approach to localized govern, uh, governance, it really is almost like Ancapistan. If you look at it in the bare bones, and I know that the Articles of Confederation were probably even more uh, that way for you guys, but... Bare bones, if you live in a town that is, uh, you should be able to get up and, 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 and move your family two miles to the left, to the, to the, to the west, 
and settle into a town where they don't even take out taxes for garbage pickup. You have to go throw out your own garbage. You have to do your own thing. There are places in this country where it's like the only thing is that you can't get away. It doesn't matter where you move inside of a state or outside of a state to other parts of the union. You can't get away from federal taxation. That's the thing that follows you around everywhere. But there are places that um, a, a lot of what you're talking about is uh, is almost a reality as it is. Um, so I guess that's my next question, which is one you probably got, you guys get probably a lot from people who are poking and prodding about this. There are no, as you know, good examples of communism that works. Are there any examples of stateless societies that have worked in the way that you uh, philosophize about? There has well, been... Oh, oh, yeah, go I mean, ahead, Matt. You, no, you got it. You got it. Uh, okay, essentially. essentially every interaction that we have that's not regulated or, or that's not directly overseen by the federal government is already a stateless interaction. It's already a stateless society. So I would I would start with that. All right. So think about everything you don't do that's involved with the government or or your state government even. So my Super Bowl, and, my Super Bowl pool for this weekend. That's mm-hmm. okay. Exactly. Or right. or um, you know when you just like you are. Uh, Calling up your friend on a cell phone, that's, you know, all, all, all those things are, are completely voluntary interactions. Um, but real world countries that abide by this, um, I'm going to go to a microstate uh, or two. How about the principality of Liechtenstein? You ever heard of it? Uh, I think you actually brought it up years ago on this show, but go ahead. So uh, the Prince of Liechtenstein is a hardcore um, libertarian, and he, along with uh, the anarchist uh, economist Hans-Hermann Hoppe, wrote a treatise on how to design a government that would be a voluntary government. Um, And that is uh, in the book, uh, Government in the Third Millennium um, is, I think, how it translates from German. Uh, Liechtenstein is in between Switzerland and uh, Austria. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very small country. It only has a, a few tens of thousands of people in it, you know, a couple villages, basically. Um, but in the new constitution ratified by the prince, uh, every person can secede if they want from the principality. Uh, the prince has obligations, uh, real constitutional obligations towards the people, in a contract that can be upheld in law as do the people towards the prince in upholding their subscription so this is actually uh i mean there there's a point to anarcho-communists talking about how uh like capitalism is like just a iteration of feudalism and i i kind of agree with them that um feudalism was based on an anarcho-capitalist view of the world and that your lord has uh obligations to protect and to serve you um, and to provide certain services um, while you have sworn fealty and order to provide services and taxation towards them um, for renting their lands and stuff like that. Um, I'm not saying serfdom is how an anarcho-capitalist society would work, um, but they, they had a moral structure that was based around contract law. Now, that the fact that it was hereditary um, that your obligations uh, of, of your parents could transfer into your hereditary obligation towards your Lord was was the fatal flaw of feudalism. But, Lich- Liechtenstein, yeah. though, so that's okay. So that's what, Wait a second, did you, I think you wrote an article 
for my website on on uh, Liechtenstein. I think that you did. I did the Switzerland one because okay. Switzerland is also another example of very low government. Think about they're, they're a country of 5 million people, and each county is what actually primarily administers the government in your area. So your city, whether it's Bern or Luzerne or, or Zurich or something like that, and I, I have family in Switzerland, um, it, like your county government is actually as – is what's administering the pension, this you know, the social security system, and the other, uh, you know, so-called federal obligations that we have. Whereas, like, I I live in Wyoming, and for some reason, like, my social security payments go through Washington D.C. and then back to Wyoming, and it's like, it, 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 it's a completely inhumane system. Whereas, like, you know, oh oh, if I if I was talking to the politician down at the local county court about it you know it'd be much more personable right okay. so I, I think ultimately we the 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 practical practical step set we need to go to uh, beyond the constitution yeah articles of confederation would basically be anarcho-capitalism compared to what we have today that's one thing i was thinking about as you're saying it but i think if we could just get 50 states secession um, that would be awesome. Maybe less. I don't know. We could have some confederations. Of, hey, I, I would know, be. I would Oregon be, and Washington go together. I, and Idaho gets the western part of, or the eastern part of those two states. Or we get a Rocky Mountain confederation. We get a New England confederation. We get a Southern confederation and stuff like it's that. It's really a matter of fine, how they can do some kind of a line. It's absolutely inhumane and insane that we have 350 million people being governed by, you know, a, a handful of people who are just you know basically the servants of the rand corporation out in some city on the potomac river you know three thousand miles away from us or something like that no it is it, it and i'm with you on that one I, I i would love to see a lot more a lot more secession but everybody is too indebted and it's it's like the everything else and i want to get to um, i want to throw a few things to oh i was going to say that there was some like not like there's been plenty of like anarchist societies that have functioned during times like outside the main like if you want to call like like com like communism anarchy which is mm -hmm. kind of depending on might not be it, be it surely became anarchy but something that's like more in line with like a libertarian society or an anar anarcho-capitalist society there's been a few like oh suggested like from what history can tell us because i guess i got this i i had to find the list that i had like celtic ireland from like six uh, six, and when I was talking about feudal societies, yeah, it was Celtic Ireland and, and yeah. medieval Iceland. So yeah. those ones were, they're like, yeah, Iceland was another. But you see, that, that's why when you when you throw that stuff out there, there's anybody that you're talking to in the in the uh, 21st century is going to say, well, listen, um, I, we, we the society as complex as we have right now it cannot cannot be based on what they were doing in in ancient uh, the Ireland and and uh, in Scotland and all that stuff. That, that's what they're going to throw at, at, at you. The Wild West was, was and, libertarian and anarchists. The Wild West had people from three continent, continents living in it. We we have all the same political structures as we did back then too. I don't know what to tell you. Oh well, I. Like, like uh, political philosophers, like we're not taking a step forward into uncharted territory. Like all the Italian philosophers talked about this in the 1400s too. Mm. Uh, it's it's uh, like Machiavelli was was describing like you know how to get ahead in in a in a 
principality as, as far as like a, a city state republic goes and stuff like that it's like they knew the benefits of capitalism and property rights and everything like that it's just you've been prop the thing that's new is the prussian model school system that we've had for the last hundred years okay get your homeschool your kids all right and oh, be so good, good you don't point. even have to worry about how an anarchist society will work because if you homeschool your kids three generations from now We'll be living in Ancapistan. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for it. I really am because I'm. I, I was thinking about that, that before. The biggest problem for people right now is like when we look at the the welfare, the welfare state for a second. Um, there was there's this idea. Well, hey, you you can't just you can't just rip it all away because at this point, all the systems that you had in place, uh, if they are just torn all away without some kind of a slow sunsetting, without kind of, a, a slow, uh, you know, methadone drip kind of a therapy through the back end of this thing, that we're talking about deaths of countless and millions of people, especially when it comes to welfare and keeping people alive with the, the sustenance that, uh, that are food stamps and, and housing and everything else. So that's how, that, that's one of those things that's really keeping us restricted from having that 50 state secession situation everybody is so indebted to that central hub and its central bank in in on the potomac that uh there is no autonomy and it's almost just like this this game of of wait and bleed because uh, nothing's getting better and eventually we're all going to go down in one big bubble instead of having a couple of small bubbles pop and i i think that's why i always think about alternative ways or alternative ways of existing that preserve the dignity and individuality of people because I, I in if we are really scheduled to have the kind of growing pains that I think are coming our way then uh, it, it's going to be good to have these types of principles in the back of our minds when we are engaging on local levels after a collapse because that's it's really what's going to be the most important like i said before the super bowl pool pools that i'm involved in that that is going to more so turn into people trading uh you know eggs for for kale or something like that that's what it's what's going to be be again um and we have to do more more episodes like this in the future for sure but i know you guys are running out of time didn't you have you have a uh a, 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 an 815 start on your uh, oh no we would say 30 and yeah okay so then i want to throw you two quick things and i'm going to start with ben because he's been quiet for a little while here i have this uh, this article here from fox news the headline reads brain dead woman should be kept alive and used as sir uh, brain dead women plural should be kept alive and used as surrogates a professor from uh norway or something has suggested it's a it's a it's a ghoulish morbid thing for uh, again these crazy fucking vampiric elite class members to say something like this um but does this violate ben non-aggression's principle if you keep someone physically alive to just produce babies what well, go go ahead on that so if the person didn't agree to that before they went into a state of being brain dead then yes it's an nip violation if somebody in their will however says if i am to go into brain dead state um you may use my body as a surrogate body for children for people who can't have kids that would be the situation you'd be looking at if there's no prior consent then you have an nip violation that being said if these people are really looking to just buy children i think maybe we should start looking a little bit closer into them 
simply yeah. because it's one thing if they just want to have kids. It's another thing for weird celebrity couples, couples or cuckles even to buy <laughs> kids as like fashion accessories or PR stunts. Like well, ultimately, I mean, yeah. like if, if you're wealthy enough to afford this kind of thing, which is what I'm assuming um, mm-hmm. is like uh maybe yeah you're a model and your career depends on you know you can't lose nine months or a year or a year and a half of income would be a huge loss so like yeah maybe if you had arranged for a surrogate otherwise like yeah i don't know about the surrogacy thing uh i'll tell you more i look into for uh, because we've done it a couple times in this show in the last few months and the more i get stories out of uh these these big fertility uh, it's like an industry. It's like big fertility. It, the more I am turned off by, and I understand that there's a lot of people who are are really you know couples that have tried everything else, and for a long period of time, and they're looking for any option uh, 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 available to them to start a family on their own. I understand that there's a lot of people that go in and, and looking to do you know good wholesome things to start a family, but when I start thinking about this more, first of all. What kind of fucked up children would that be? That must be, there must be some resident spookiness that will follow a child born under those conditions around for the rest of their lives to have been, to have been, uh, uh, you know, pretty much grown inside of a brain dead person. Oh man, that, that is, that is spooky shit. I'm sorry. I I think it evokes, uh, the first, uh, fear game. You ever played? Oh my God. Yes. What? What was this? You never play oh, okay fear there's uh it's it's uh oh shit it's the fr- so it's this first person shooter from back in the day and one of like the characters in the game is this little evil girl who haunts your every step and essentially she has like these psychic powers or there's something going on with her and she was part of an experiment where they basically like she was grown in a woman that was brain dead and they used her body basically as a surrogate host for this test subject child. Jeez. This is exactly what we're talking about. Exactly. It's a, it's a really fun game too. Cause there's like bullet time. You get to like switch on your reflexes. How about you guys? It's been fun. I got, I got to dip out for a little bit. Oh, okay. okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm Keep sorry. Reading reader. Yeah. Reader. Go ahead. Have another five. Yeah, do it. Condoms, what are those? Are they all like Irish twins at this point? Like... I think so. Well, all seriousness, that's that's Matt's fourth fourth child, right? Fourth child, yep. Well, yeah. so you're talking about like couples that struggle with fertility, which like was a much more relatable thing, I think, for most people. And it's like the the real deal is you just need to have kids earlier in life, generally. Yeah. The the woman. Like, by the time you're 30, 35, like, you're already getting close to just being out of that window that you can. And the the truth is, I actually just watched a, a great conversation between a fertility doctor and um, Chris Williamson. is a, a good podcast, but um, your listeners should just listen to you. And um, the discussion was uh, they did a study, a, a survey of women... Um, and 80% of women who ended up childless had wanted a child, but simply had never had uh, the opportunity in their minds to do so. And the thing is, is like, 
yeah, if you're going to wait till 40 after your entire career to settle down and find a man and, and okay, I guess you found your ideal partner who makes the more money than you and, and has a better education than you by the time you get to the age of 42, you're not going to be fertile anymore. Unfortunately, this is something this is something again when we talk about this this longer this longer and and bigger picture about society and how we have been set up through uh, you know demoralization and other things that to really and, and and dependence on state action where we find ourselves in places where we are right now both economically and culturally this is one of the things uh, uh, we were all grown up. I mean, whether we were male or female, we we're all told, no, 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 no. There's, you don't, you don't settle down in your twenties. You have to go out into the world. You have to do. You have to. You have to build your career. You have to do. Don't. You don't settle down. Wait until you're 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 thirty or something like that. Um, uh, for a guy who is going toward the peak of his value in his mid to late thirties where uh, most of them are, are, are starting to settle into a career they're making, or the uh, most people are making the most money they ever had in their life. Uh, th- this is where they are starting to reach their, the peak of their, of, of their value on the market. And so maybe for that, that wait, that wait and fool around kind of um, wait, work and fool around kind of mentality, the, the guys are a, a little bit uh, less affected by it, but to tell that to, to a women lot of people haven't discussed the fact that a lot of income equality uh increasing in the united states is primarily driven by this factor the fact that more and more rich women and rich men are waiting later in life or like because people have more time to date they are finding people of the same social class to date and to marry uh, as they as they go on and as a result you get just this bifurcation of of a class system um whereas when people got married younger kind of shotgun wedding style hate to say it um there was a lot more mixing between social classes that's it that's an incredible i have never even wow that's an incredible thought how that would happen and and i can see how it would that it's a little bit more yes yes that's in, that's that's a crazy thought, man. I never even thought about how that could be possible, and uh, but but yeah, yeah. Uh, the the waiting has definitely hurt women a lot more, and um, and it's, it feels a lot a lot more like a rush. And hopefully, in the next couple of generations, as you say, we can we can start uh, letting people you know telling them it's okay. I, I work for a university. I, I work in education and and stuff like that. I think we need to cut two years out of high school. And I think we we need to get kids on a track for, towards technical jobs or trade jobs at an early age, like maybe 15 or 16, if they want to do that kind of thing, or academic jobs, if they want to do that thing at, at 15, 16. France has done this for years. Um, uh, ben, Ben, you and, know. It, and uh, we, just, we just need to get people, and, and we need a cultural expectation that you probably want to be married by the time you're 30 and, and having kids. I, I I would agree with that now. I I wouldn't have back when I was uh, I was in my twenties, uh, and and now I just I, I just see too much of uh, too much of the forces the the forces behind all of this these cultural shifts, and to have uh, evaluated their what I believe to be very nefarious, destructive intent on uh, on on society, and and now I see it as as an attack rather than just a mistake. But Ben, um, uh, Larry Sharp, 
former, I, I, I think, a repeat New York gubernatorial candidate has endorsed that very same thing over here in New York about getting high school down to two years and then and then starting to layer in options for trade schools and and um, and other and other things to get people out into the wor- real world and not have college be some kind of a uh, preordained destination. And um, I, I would love, I would love to see something like that become a reality, but um, he, he never breaks 5%. I like Larry Sharp. Some of the things, the, the issues he's brought up, like I like his idea of like renaming the Tappan Zee Bridge and like renting it out to like companies because honestly, anything is better than putting Cuomo's name on anything yeah. to be really fair. Okay, but um, to be honest, I was I was in fucking upstate New York and I saw Andrew Cuomo like state park governor name and I was like disgusted. Like what the fuck is wrong with New York State? For oh, real. Just, I know. Yeah. Continue. I'm surprised. No, I yeah. was gonna I was just gonna say, like, it would definitely be nice, but New York is one of those states where like the public system and the public college system is such just like a money making venture for everybody who's involved with it. There's a lot of power and influence there, and like, like good on Larry Sharp for taking that on. But like the New York public school system on a state level is honestly rivals a lot of smaller, dangerous countries like Iran, for example, in terms of like the power they hold and the money they control and like what they are able to influence, and the unfortunate control they have over kids. Yes. It really is like that. It's it's very dangerous, and um, and and diminishing returns now too. As as you know, in the years leading to your exit from New York, um, and as I've covered on the show many times, whenever it pops up, the the lowering of standards for even those who are educating children to be able to meet certain type of racial quotas that they have gotten rid of. Uh, they've gotten rid of um, of what what you call it uh, literacy literacy standards for teachers because they said it was having certain racial uh, backwards racial effects and impacts that they wanted to get rid of because it's important to have you know the, the, the all the colors of the rainbow and uh, to hell with to hell with actual teaching ability so yeah that, that creates a that creates a a little bit more of again uh, a, a generational snowball effect and we're really careening downhill right now but um, you guys, I know that we have to go off and, and do the show. I I have the link to tonight's Alter podcast that is going live in just a few minutes, and I'm getting off in just a few minutes, so it all shakes out. I have that in the description of tonight's episode on, on Quite Frankly, so those who are willing to watch live can go, and those who want to watch on demand can go as well. Um, why don't you uh, say some last-minute plugs, what you're going to talk about tonight, and uh, and hopefully we can do this again soon. Word. Tonight, um, we really don't have much planned other than we literally are just hosting an after-party episode. Anybody who wants to call in and yell at us, please feel free. Um, if you want to say the most unhinged shit you ever think you can get away with saying on YouTube, definitely come and see us. We'd love to hear what you have to say. That being said, um... Well, I don't know, Frank. Thank you for having us on. This is really fun. I agree. We need to do more of these. Yeah, we do. You know what? And so you guys are set up to take calls from the the public, then, huh? Correct. Yeah. So we have a. I we dropped it into the chat you earlier. You have to have a Discord. You have to have a Discord. Yes, and you have to uh, be willing to pass our entry examination in order to get onto the podcast. Well, oh, okay. 
the the ultra podcast right like okay you, you just gotta join our link and and then we we have to filter you through so we'll, we'll yes. be screening screening calls in a sense that we know that you're a real person basically. exactly okay also one of these tests may or may not involve the use of the n-word oh no that's for another story what is this chat gpt of course. <laughs> <laughs> my gosh. Well, hey, listen, it's going to be great because I hope a few people follow you over because I have not been able to watch the chat rooms, but I am sure uh, there are just a lot of people who aren't sold on the stateless society and they want to they test this from a number of angles, and I'm sure that you guys are up to the task. So that'll be fun just for some, uh, some, some mental exercise, and I wish you all the best. Hopefully I'll be able to get home in time to jump into the chat room and, and say hello, and, and, and thanks for everything, you two, and send my, best, uh, send my best to the rest of the crew. Of course. All right, guys. Have a good one. Thanks for everything. You too, man. Have okay. a good day. Cheers. Cheers. Taxation is theft. I was waiting Taxation for it. Taxation is theft. I was waiting Go for it. Go masters. <laughs> I was waiting for it. All right, good. I... See, I had to give them a chance. That's their tagline. That is it. All right. It is 834. I wanted to have a conversation with some interesting friends, some smart guys, and, uh, and I hope that you all have had uh, a, a good time sitting around the fire with us or the back porch or wherever you envisioned us being. We will be right back. I'm going to take your super chats and calls, and that'll be the last 25 minutes of this one. Don't go anywhere. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 Quite Quite frankly. 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 So everybody watch, quite frankly, with Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? Okay, so now that we have 24 minutes left with each other, it's 8.36 p.m., I'm going to open up the lines, 
I'm gonna get into the super chats, and we're gonna talk. And uh, it's um, it anything goes at this point. You can call in and let me know what's on your mind. How uh, anything tonight has come up for you? I would love to hear uh, hear about it. What do you think works and would not work about living in a stateless society? Obviously, obviously, it's not like everybody's gonna be living isolated from one another. It's just a matter of how you treat each other. Now, if you take away the threat of force, it really always comes down to police and crime. That's what it comes down to for people. Because if you knew that we were all uh, benevolent, everybody in a town, on a day-to-day basis, aside from the fact that, all right, we're coughing up property taxes for what? Those are things that you can actually do a little line item veto with with uh, with your with your vote on a local level sometimes your your vote means a lot more on a local level or you can vote with your feet and you can move out of town for a place that has less and less services that it provides for people for the uh for the joy of having less to pay in taxes and like i said before no matter where you move the federal government is always there with its handout its slimy rotten handout and um but I know it really all comes down to is protection and crime. So those of you who live in rural uh, America, you know a little bit of something about defending yourself and your property. And that is just very hard for people in bigger cities to, to, con- to, to think about. There's no way in hell that that could work out in New York City. I mean, how many security firms that you would have and um, and, and, and what would be the thing? I, I would say that the, the whole big thing is supremacy over the authority, the certain law enforcement supremacy over one thing or another. You never you know, all of those older or any kind of um, movie or television show where there's a crime that's been committed and the and the, the local police are on it the detec- detectives are on it and then all of a sudden those damn pesky feds show up and they they and then there's a big power over jurisdiction that's jurisdiction on several levels inside of a system that we've all agreed on who the central authority is and then there's varying levels of of people with responsibility and who has veto power over the other and all that. But this would be as if every person or every neighborhood is their own nation. So that's the hardest for people like me, even though I can totally live in a very, in a, in a, in a, in a voluntary society, I can do it, but it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to see it. Let's take a call. 813, you're on the air. Oh, whoops. Hold on. The speakers are muted. Give me one second, 813. I'll tell you when you're on. 813, are you there? I'm here. Hey, what's going on, 813? Who's this I'm speaking to? Hey, Frank. Oh, well, um, I'll, call my, uh, I'll call myself Trixie. Hey, Trixie. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, um, I just wanted to comment, um, not on your stateless society topic, but your wonderful guests who are talking about women who are, are more mature and power through life until they're ready to have kids and then they're pretty much infertile and powerless. And I, unfortunately, um, I just wanted to help anyone, men, women, everyone. I just wanted to help them because I'm one of them. And I had a great career and I powered through it. And then when I met lovers, 
if I if I made more than him, it was always a demoralizing um, situation. And they'd always say, "Oh no, it's fine. I don't care." But they always care. Oh, it was and, it was demoralizing for them. You you didn't mind, but they oh, they felt they felt like they were less. Very much so. Wow. Very much so. And I always look for a partner who's strong, who can, um, you know, support me and handle everything and control everything and it's security. And then I was just lying to myself. And then going through the relationships, I finally figured out, oh, it's not them, it's me. <laughs> and, you know, I just wanted to help, like, women out there or men out there, like like your guests were saying, like, for starting a career young or, like, marrying young and having children young, if I could go back, oh, my God. I'd go back and I'd have kids and it's just the biggest regret of my life. Well, let me, let me, so, let me ask I, you this. Let me ask you this. Sure. Uh, Cause you're talking yeah. about, you're talking about a, uh, a situation where you were dating and, um, and so you, you were dating with the intention of finding someone to, to, to marry and have children with, or is it, it was just casual Absolutely. dating? Nope. It was, it was very much, I want to marry this man. I want to have children with this man. I want to plant roots and have a life and settle down. Well, you know, here's the thing. I I, I can't fault someone like yourself to when you're single to go out and put an education to use, to get a job, to be well paid, and 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 then along the way with the in, with the the intention of wanting to find a man and and get married and have children, never being able to find a man that is okay with you having already been gainfully employed. I don't I don't I don't I can't put that squarely on your lap. I mean that's there, there's so many things that could be worked out at that point. I, I, the the man's got to get this sh- their shit together. There's nothing that says that you can't take time off from your job to be able to go and 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 help build a family and be home with children so i don't i don't know why that is all is that's all on you because you happen to be gainfully employed when you met them i th- i think like it, it comes down to the baseline and it comes down to him ultimately feeling insecure because he's not the provider and he he can't fulfill that position oh. And it, no fault of him at all. It's just that I think that, like, it's just inherent of, of normal people who grew up in normal families. Like, it's just what's instilled. So, you know, for example, 10-year re- high school reunion, right? Everyone's, like, 28, 20, 27 to 29, right? Mm-hmm. And you meet everybody, and you're so worried. Like, oh, has everyone looked? What's going on? And, like, almost, like, 80%. You know, all the, the women, they have kids, they have one going on 1.5, two children, plus everyone's happily married. And they're like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I, I travel and I, you know, I have a good job and I travel around the world. And they're like, oh, whatever. So it's like a, everyone's jealous of what they don't have, right? Yeah. So when you, when you, when you marry young and you have children young, you can't travel, you can't do any of that. However, on the opposite end, you can't have children because you're always traveling and you can't meet anyone to solidify, you know, a, a good relationship. So it's just, I guess the ultimate regret is what I'm trying to say is that it comes down to, I wish I just would have given in and I wish I would have given in a little bit so that I could have at least children to like fulfill life. So it's dogs. Well, and it's sad. I love them, but it's the payoff. 
Well, I'm I'm I'm, I'm 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 sorry. I'm sorry you're going. You have that. Uh, you have that. Uh, that that feeling and and those those thoughts. No, it's okay. But um, okay, it was it was all my choice. It was all my decision. I, 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 I understand that. I understand, and I, I I'm actually really grateful that you called in and and share this because there's um there's a lot of people who uh, who who mull this over and um and, and after the fact that are wondering what happened and and it's uh, I can hear that you did a lot of a lot of reflection on it and. I'm I'm just happy that you're out there and you're willing to call in and share yourself and I hope you do again soon yeah. and, and and thank you for the call Trixie. Yeah. Thank you Frank. All thank right. you everyone and and best of luck to everyone everyone out there. All right. Be well. Take care. You take care. Okay. There you go. That's Trixie. Trixie. Good call. Good call. Tough subjects. That's why we do this. Yeah, see, there's a lot. There's a lot baked into those conversations that we have with with uh, the boys from the Alter Podcast uh, on nights like tonight. It always starts somewhere, and it always hits other things. Obviously, that comes up. That that popped up toward the end with the surrogacy story, but um, there's there's a lot about there's a lot in there about personal responsibility and being able to negate. And um, and shake off all of the influ- the undue influences that have come in from the state and all of the uh, the, the 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 ideological forces that are 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 pushing political and social culture into the direction that it's going. You know, we know that the the I, idea the we know the ideology behind both childlessness and environmentalism and feminism it it's all very intertwined it's all very modernist and it's uh and you cannot really untangle one from the other at this point so when you think about all of that and you think about how we all went through it we were told this stuff um if any of our if any of our friends got married right at, i don't know if we had any friends that got married right after getting out of high school we had a couple of friends that never that didn't go to college and went right to work and they're doing great now um and they um you know they're 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 doing well they work for 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 big companies they're doing they got trades uh that they they work with and they've got families and a lot of a lot of us we we know that okay well high school high school is only the beginning of the next phase which is at least four years undergraduate if you then and then i have plenty of friends that were just oh all i'm doing masters oh i'm doing graduate studies oh i'm do-. and all of a sudden it's 16 years of not wanting college to end because i mean it doesn't matter how many pieces of paper they put in their their portfolio at home it where's it all lead and that's not to say that some things that you want to do in life don't require those you know going and, and doing that but we have been set on several courses that are so um, closely resembling hamster wheels, and 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 the the value if we everybody uh, we get lectured to about consumerism and capitalism and and how it's ruining everything. But really, um, it, what is materialism? What is our society if not getting more and more materialist? materialistic what is our society and and it's dominated by by leftist thinking 
And they keep talking about greed and all this other stuff. And what are they always talking about? Uh, prioritizing yourself, not children, not family. Prioritize yourself uh, and prioritize your new friends in our club over here, not your family. They're old school. They're whatever. Don't get married. You get on this hamster wheel over here. Go, 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 go to our indoctrination centers. We'll give you a piece of paper. You go over there. You learn how to vote. You learn how to, uh, to, to go and uh, protest and demand things be given to you. You get to look at the world around you as people who have things that you should have had. Only thing is you shouldn't have had it. You didn't work for it. We didn't work for anything. And, and, and so these people who are always about going out there and hanging the capitalists with the ropes that they produced are, um, are the most materialistic fucks on the planet. And all their perspective and all of their priorities have been so misplaced that we we lose the real things lose set, try uh uh lose track of things that are actually there to affirm uh humanity and that is not only reproducing our own but just having close social ties and loving friends and family and 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 being being tied into something a lot more tangible and a, a lot of us barely get out of that i mean we have we have our you know some people are not able to to pull it together quick enough and see where what was really the 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 most important thing it's tough it's tough because we all got through i i'm i'm lucky every i'm lucky every day the way that i used to think i'm so lucky i never thought i was gonna be a father didn't think i think i always thought one thing or another was going to get in the way and um, and it was it started to really bum me out because I I wanted I really wanted to be a dad. That's why I say when 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 we learned about Aurora being on the way, it was such a miracle because I I feel like we survived all of the indoctrination. And you pull that away, what is it? It's reliance on. It's reliance on 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 what you know is is primarily human taking responsibility and that is a big part of what we were talking about with Matt and Ben and Max tonight that is uh, at the very basis of everything is responsibility that's it and shirking responsibility is the real reason for all of our greatest pains right now both domestically and abroad because what was a domestic problem at one point has now been meshed, uh, meshed together with everybody else's domestic problems to create a planet-wide issue. All right, let's see what else we have over here on, quite frankly, superchat.com. Stostoops is Frank. Nice little Thursday night session. Guest session. Must appreciated. Much appreciated. In support of excellent independent media. Here's a little super chat for the cause, my good man, and hey, hey to all Franklies. Thank you, Stostube. Kyle Reese. What's going on, Kyle Reese? Listen to me if you want to live. Stop eating their poison food now. Stop consuming their poison drinks now. No needles. Look at the repo market. Leave only the cash you need to pay in bills in the bank. In the 1930s, the 1930s really happened. You have been warned. That's those those are great that's a great advice. That's Kyle Reese. You know it's coming from the future. Stop eating the food. Stop consuming their poison drinks. No needles. 
Look at the repo market, which is very, it's ripe. Robin McCutcheon, by the way, she's going to be coming on next Wednesday, February 15th. And she is going to blow apart the 500,000 jobs report number from January. She's going to blow that one out of the water. And we're going to do other things there, too. Another good thing, and why I think about that, because when you think about the... When you think about being a, a repo man, I know the repo markets is something different, but a repo man, that's somebody. That's somebody that's got a lot of business right now, repossessing cars and this and that. So, more. Hello Kitty says, hi Frank, sorry it's been a minute since I was here. I just wanted to tell you the APA, American Psychological and Psychiatric Association, recently added traditional masculinity to the mental disorder book. Oh, I remember they were talking about that. What? Are you talk? Are you sure? Is, how recently is recent? Because I remember re- reading about this on the show a couple of years ago. Yeah. And again, what is traditional masculinity? What is so dangerous about it? Why is it that the FBI, aside from putting all of their uh, investigative powers on on investigating... Um, on people who show up to PTA meetings and protest having pornographic materials in middle schools are going after traditional old school Latin mass Catholics. Now, I saw that the FBI is rescinding that little memo. It doesn't matter what they rescind. It was time was taken out to put it together, to print it, and to circulate it. And it got out. By the way, I linked Kyle Serafin with um, with Timothy Gordon. I think he'll be on Timothy Gordon's show to talk about that whole FBI. He's an FBI whistleblower, and he's a, he's a devout Catholic. And he was talking about how the FBI is targeting Catholics, especially those who um, are preconciliar in their beliefs. And they are, uh, they've been put on a radical list. So watch out that for, for that coming from Timothy Gordon on Monday. But what does it really all come down to, whether it's traditional masculinity or Catholicism uh, being radical in its more traditional form or whether it's the censorship revelations that we've gotten from the Twitter files? You cannot, you're not allowed, you cannot have any allegiance to a power that is higher than the false nation that they built in the footprint of the former American Republic. It's not allowed. That's what it comes down to. So uh, let's go over to now Rumble. We've got one over here from Cat Sky D. Says Gateway Pundit put out an article saying that the the doggos that were rescued from Fauci's labs will be in the puppy bowl. What really? I didn't read about that. I'll take a look at it. I'm so happy to have uh, you all hanging out with me right now. We're about to end. I have a couple more things over here on Foxhole. And also, was it? Cody is in Discord to promote, quite frankly, TV. Let's bring Cody in. Hey, Cody, what's going on? Oh, my goodness, Frank, what is happening? Hey, great to have you here, man. What's going on quite frankly, not TV tonight? Well, tonight on QuiteFrankly.tv, QFTV, we are doing... Throwback Thursday, my friend. We are looking back so we can look forward, so we look around us and realize that 
As we gather around our computers to listen to the radio, not much really has changed, even though a lot really has changed, hasn't it? Yes, I would say so. So, uh, so what, what, what can, are we going to get any kind of a preview as to what's on Throwback Oh, Thursday? well, there'll be some Vintage Frankly stuff. I can tell you, if you look back at, quite frankly, five years ago, it might as well be 20 years because the world has, I don't know, it's, it's very strange to, to watch that old stuff. I'm sure you'll feel different, you know, uh, from having done it as, instead of as a viewer. But it's wild to look five years. It's a whole different world. I know. Now, I so. know. For first be of some all, of that and some other stuff too. I'm in less than 480. I'm in, in less than 480 resolution over there. So it's, oh, yeah. it's going to be grainy. We're going to have. Yeah. I know the wow. the, uh, the the microphone boom stand is going to be moving all over on me. There's going to be so Ooh. many things that's that's going to be that's going to be horrible. But it's going to be Ooh. fun. It's fun to look back. You got to look back. Um, otherwise, uh, you don't really learn much. So no, you're right. Very apt. It'll be fun tonight. So hang in the chats. Quite frankly, TV, powered by Foxhole. Hang in the chat. It's going all night. So uh, that's all I got to say. I'm going to duck out of here and get things ready. Thank you, my man. I'll talk to you soon. I right, love you guys. Bye. I right, love you. Take care. So there is Cody. There is Chode Man. Code Man from Quite Frankly TV. Now, uh, I told you we're going to be plugging in uh, after-hours programming for Tuesdays and Thursdays in the new year. took us a little bit longer uh, than I wanted to, but, you know, these things take time. For Thursdays, it's now going to be Throwback Thursdays. It'll be old, frankly, old, quite frankly, but also vintage films, too. You know, I know that we do Mystery Movie Mondays, whatever, but on Thursdays, I want there to be old radio dramas and film noir and, uh, man, a, a, lot of, a lot of good stuff. Old cult classics from the, the, the 20s, 30s, 40s. It's got to be oldies. And then, you know, some other things. Who knows what happens as it goes into the late night. But that's what's going on on Thursday in just a couple of minutes. And you also have the option to go uh, check in on the boys of the Altar Podcast, who should be getting started around now if they haven't already. Um, thank you, Richard Lifes, or Lyles, sorry. Thank you, Boys Blanc, who sent a few cookies. Maxi Q, thank you for the can. Sean Joe, Boys Blanc again. Tam Growl. Thank you, everybody in there. Jay Bell, Delona, Chai Possum says, great show with the Altar Boys. Uh, thanks, Frank, and thank you. Thank you to Stowe Stoove, who sent over a sleeve of cookies, and says, quite frankly, at the end of it. And Alan Wrench, it's good to have you in there, my friend. All right, I'm releasing the scratching over there on Foxhole. Thank you for all the time you've spent with me tonight. Tomorrow is Friday. Tomorrow is Friday, and we have some great conversation starters to get to and a few other things who I don't know if Matt will be here we'll see but um, I'm looking forward to you all uh, being in attendance and closing out another busy week and a busy week it was indeed so uh, with that ladies and gentlemen take care of yourselves thank you again to my buddies at the altar podcast it was nice to change it up and just have a group discussion about one thing or another with some intelligent uh, intelligent co-hosts that's all. Nighty-night. I'll catch you on the flip side.
quite frankly, is film before live, studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with Stostube, Kyle Reese, and Hello Kitty. Thank you to uh, Kate, or Cat Sky D, over on Rumble, and to all my friends on Foxhole. We will see you tomorrow. Thank you for tonight.